Shamai hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm your host, Sam Cook. Over the next half an hour, you'll be hearing from some of this country's biggest stars. From where they got their big break, to struggles that they may have faced along the way. In this week's episode, I'll be putting radio presenter Hugh Stevens in the spotlight. Hello, Hugh. How are you doing? Hello, I'm good, thank you. Whereabouts are you in the world currently? I'm in. I'm at home in Whitchurch in Cardiff, uh, yeah. and it's the middle of May, and it's nice and sunny. Today, Hugh, we'll be talking all about your career in general. So I suppose okay. the natural place for us to start is, when did you first realise that you had a passion for radio? Well, I loved listening to it when I was probably about 11, 12 on- onwards. Um, I really fell in love with it, I suppose, when I was kind of 14, 15, and I became obsessed with radio, really. Late night radio was um, just a, a huge passion of mine. And uh, I loved listening to um, Radio One at night. Virgin Radio, was a, I was a big fan of that. Radio Cymru as well um, in the Welsh language. And yeah, I kind of realised that people did this as a job. And um, I... Uh, thought, hang on, this sounds like fun. I want to try this. And so I did. And I tried doing it through hospital radio. And I suppose to some extent you were brought up in this industry, weren't you? Because your your dad was actually a journalist, wasn't he? Well, he was, yeah. Um, I mean, before I was born, really, he was a journalist. He wasn't really journalists when uh, from when I was a little boy, but... Um, yeah, he was he was a journalist on the Western Mail for a number of years, and he was a teacher. He taught French in Ebu Vale, um, and then he, for most of his life, he was working for the Arts Council, um, head of um, uh, poetry, um, and uh, that was his uh, speciality. So I didn't really have any radio family members, to be honest. Um, I tell a light. My my elder sister, who uh, lived in Bangor in North Wales after university, she was a producer on BBC Radio Cymru, um, and so I, I knew that she did that. Um, and then, yeah, so I, there's a there's a big age difference between me and my three older sisters. It's like thirteen years between me and my youngest sister, if you know what I mean, who's older than me. Um, so yeah, there was a. Yeah, I, I suppose I real I knew, or at least somewhere in the back of my head, I understood that it could be a job. You're an alumni of of GTAF. You're, you're a Glam Taff lad, and I, I think it seems to me there's something in the water there. We've spoken before. Uh, uh, my my old manager was Daniel Glynn, of course, who who now presents on BBC Radio Cymru. But like, it seems like that school just breeds people in the media, doesn't it? Well, what what you've got with Glantav is for a long time it was the only Welsh speaking high school in Cardiff. So, um, if you wanted your child to have a Welsh language education, Glantav would be the school. And so, when I went there, you had pupils from Barry and Dinas Powys and all across Cardiff coming there. Now there are several Welsh language high schools, so um, you know people have to travel less. 
which is a good thing. Um, but yeah, there's been a lot of um, interesting actors from Glantav. Um, Matthew Reese and Johan Griffith went there and a lot of brilliant sporting alumni as well. You know, so many from Jamie Roberts to um, Nicky Robinson. Um, and of course, yeah, so there's a lot of very uh, and several others, you know, Reese Patchell as well um, is a rugby star from Glantav. Um, who's played for Wales, of course. So, yeah, I think that's probably why that is. And also, it's a brilliant school, you know. It's, there's a real sense of community there, and um, the teachers are all very invested in um, in the subjects that they teach and the Welsh language world, and uh, that kind of breeds enthusiasm then. You joined Radio 1 in 1999, and at the time you were actually the youngest ever Radio One presenter. So, talk to us a little bit about how that all happened. Radio One were looking for Welsh presenters and presenters in Scotland and Northern Ireland to present new shows. They contacted Bethan Elvin, who was a producer in Radio Cymru at the time, and um, kind of entrusted her to find co-presenters. She kindly gave me a shot at it, um, and we ended up presenting the session in Wales for a number of years. So that's how it started. So, yeah, I was very young at the time. I was planning to go to university to do media studies. I wanted to be a radio producer. That was my dream, um, and that's what I was set to do. And then this offer came in from Radio 1, join us for a year and do the show. So I thought, well, a year, you know, that's not bad. I can always go can all see what happens after a year. And I was very lucky that that year turned into um, 21 years in the end. I did a Radio 1 doing various shows across the network. During that 21-year period, is there ever a day that you remember where something went wrong on the radio? And and kind of what, what did you learn from that? Mm, things going wrong. Yeah, occasionally there'd be the odd thing. There'd be... You know, there'd be the odd swear word. I was doing a, show, a thing live into Greg James's breakfast show where I had to hide in Butte Park and somebody had to find me and I had to give them Glastonbury tickets and I had to ask them live on air, do you want to go to Glastonbury? And they swore, F yeah, live on the radio. <laughs> Which at the time, you know, I mean, I'm very relaxed about these things, but of course there are rules. It's BBC, it's the Radio 1 breakfast show, so we had to do a straightaway apology and it's um, it's still online somewhere. Um, so things do go wrong, but I think people expect that because, you know, humans make radio, you know, at the end of the day. And interesting radio is made by humans and has a lot of uh, a lot of work going into it. So occasionally the odd thing will go wrong. But what you'll find is people remember the bits that go wrong more than the hours and hours of uh, <laughs> of radio, which goes right, you know. During that 21-year period, what would you say were the highlights for you? Oh, my goodness. Well, oh, so many, you know. I mean, I, I enjoyed – I'm lucky to have found a job where um, I, I loved every single day because it never felt like a job doing radio because I was playing music on the radio, new bands, and kind of supporting new artists pretty much through all the shows that I did. And the only dip out of that was when I did Daytime Radio 1. I had a Saturday and Sunday show and then I'd stand in for Grimmy or Scott Mills or Greg in the afternoons. Um, and that was different for me because I was interviewing big stars, you know, like actors and 
um, One Direction or, you know, big pop bands at the time, Katy Perry, Taylor Swift and so on. And so that was that was a shock for me because I was always interviewing bands at the beginning of their musical career, not artists who'd made it and who were massive, you know, and selling millions of records. Um, so in terms of career, um, in terms of highlights, to be honest, having a late night show on Radio 1 where I could give bands sessions, that was my real highlight it's what i always kind of dreamed of um and of course we did that with a session in wales and you know i had one show a week doing a program called one music for a while um but to have like three nights of doing that was absolutely amazing i loved that um and everything that came with it you know the going to gigs seeing bands at festivals um and just kind of spreading the word about great music that was now, without sounding too uh, cheesy about things, that really was the highlight. How do they compare the experiences of interviewing bands that are in the early days of their career to these huge musical stars? How does it compare as an experience? Well, yeah, it's interesting because often when a band is starting out, right? I mean, I, I'd interview bands often who hadn't released any music whatsoever. So it was quite hard sometimes to know what an artist was about. So it's still very much an introduction. And then the opposite of that is, I don't know, a pop star who has given you 20 minutes of their time and has either come into the studio or you've gone to a place of their choosing to conduct an interview. And they're super polite and you know what to talk about because it's what every other journalist around the world is talking about with them. They're there to promote an album or a tour or a single or whatever. So, yeah, it is different. But at the end of the day, at the same time, you know, everybody's everybody's human. Everybody has feelings that everybody is in it because they love music that was always the key as well you know and because they wanted to laugh and often they'd want to chat about something a little bit different whether they were a new band who were starting out or if they were Katy Perry you know they uh they wanted um they wanted a nice conversation because you know that's that's why they're there is to do an interview so it doesn't pay to be awkward about things then me and you have spoken before at length about nurturing new talent, whether that be in radio or in music. Why is this so important to you? Well, I suppose I was sort of brought up with that uh, ethos through listening to the radio, through listening to Steve Lamack and Joe Wiley on the evening session and John Peel on Late Night Radio 1. Like, for me, that was the appeal of... um especially nighttime radio then. I mean, it was pre-internet, so, you know, you can have shows in the daytime now that do the same thing, like on BBC Radio 6 Music, or you can listen to shows whenever you want now. Um, but the idea of introducing people to new music, I found it very, very exciting. And so I presumed that's what the audience would be like as well, you know? And I think it's really important for a scene and for a community and for a city and a country to have a platform for new stuff because that's how things get made and that's how people's lives get changed not just the people making the art but be it music or drama or whatever but the audience as well you know this is life-changing stuff like the band playing to 50 people down the road from you tonight will change someone's life tonight because it'll enrich their life. It'll make them think about things. Now, whether that 
band or artist will go on to massive success. We don't know. And, we, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because some people do go on to sell lots of music and, you know, tour and become famous. And some people don't, but carry on making music because they absolutely love it. As long as there's a platform there for it. So when there's opportunity have arisen for me to present shows where I can play new stuff. I, you know, I've always considered it like a massive honor and um, a big responsibility. We we need look no further than soon music festival to see this. So, and, and that was what, you know, one of, one of the first things that you set up. So talk to us a little bit more about that process and, and, you know, creating soon. Well, you know, I grew up and I was living in Cardiff and I, you know, we saw that there was um, a lot of other festivals like these happening. I'd been to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, and me and John Rostron, the uh, music promoter, just thought, why why isn't this happening? And why haven't we got one of these? So let's set it up. And that's what we did. And yeah, it was a lot of work. It was, you know, often it was you know, a lot of volunteers involved with the running of the festival. Um, now, Clóby Verbach run it and do a fantastic job in putting on soon every year. And they do a great job in booking lots of interesting bands and artists. Um, and I wanted a festival that was reflective of the scene in Cardiff. So there was like Welsh and English language bands playing, big and small names, lots of independent promoters. We didn't want to jump in and say, we're promoting all of this, you're not. We wanted everybody else involved you know um and so that's why we started soon and you know it was we wanted a yearly highlight um for that scene in cardiff as well um something that kind of really magnifies it and something to look forward to and reflect back on and something for artists to work up for towards um and so yeah it was a big success in that respect you are a strong advocate for the welsh language do you think the people's perception of Camraig are changing? I think it is changing. And I think, you know, it's down to several things like the Welsh education system. You know, now people, you know, young people kind of understand Welsh um, naturally. Um, the The scene is, so the music scene in the Welsh language is very vibrant and... Um, people buy into that and people want to know what music's good in that scene, you know. I think the football's helped hugely with um, the work that FAW's done in normalising the Welsh language. I think there's always work to be done. Like, it is, you know, it is a, it is technically a declining language. If you look at the official status and the official figures, less people speak Welsh than previously. Um, however... I'm I'm sh I'm convinced that um, more people in Wales can speak Welsh than the census proves, and I'm not saying oh it's all lies, you know it's a it's a myth, it's, you know they didn't tick the right boxes. People have a grasp of certain amount of Welsh who, and they might not use it at all, you know they might not use it in their circle of friends, they might not use it in work. There's always a level of understanding the Welsh language, I think, um, and. Also, more people do use it. More people do use it in the community. More people are learning the language, not just in Wales, but around the world. Um, and I think it's 
to do with self-belief, you know, it's to do with Wales and the Welsh language kind of going, well, if we don't celebrate this, if we don't care about it and make the biggest deal about it at all, nobody's going to do it for us. Um, so we have to do it ourselves. And and I think I think that's changed things a little bit in that I think the language has become more um, visible and normalised. And I think more people are therefore interested in the language because it is a very interesting language. And the moment you have a little grasp of that, you, I think, unlock a key to um, a, a whole other culture then. Was all that one of the reasons that you set up Dee's Music Cymru? Well, what I should say is, um, although I am a proud uh, ambassador for Deeth Music Cymru, it was actually set up by um, uh, by Welsh by Cymraeg from the Welsh government by an amazing man called Gareth Richardson, and he set up he it was his like his idea. I was brought on as an ambassador, and I was a supporter of it, and they you know, uh, and I still am, and they made me an ambassador. Um, so that's why I'm proud to be involved with that day because anything that highlights um, something that you love and, you know, I think sometimes we can take things for granted in Wales that people know what things are, um, and not just in Wales, but everywhere. But sometimes you need spelling things out. And I think I think Deed Music Cymru or Welsh Language Music Day does that. We're constantly seeing new talent pushing through into this particular industry what advice would you give to somebody looking to follow a similar path to yourself well get involved don't wait for anybody's permission there's a lot of interesting platforms out there now for people to make radio shows to get used to using the technology and finding their own voice i think that's very important as well um it just practicing somebody calls it air miles where the more you're on air the better and it's true you know whether you're broadcasting to nobody and you're just recording stuff and trying stuff out that's where really good ideas come from and in an age where everybody has a microphone on their phone and everybody can edit a program together you need to stand out and you need to have some good ideas as well as being sounding good, you know, and technically proficient. So be keen, don't be annoying, uh, be nice, um, and meet as many people as you can. And I know it sounds easier that, uh, you know, it sounds easier said than done, but there are places and organisations like the Radio Academy, um, like, uh, which is, you know, across the UK, which is like Radio Platform in Cardiff, um, lots of community stations, lots of hospital radio, which, you know, as somebody who started in hospital radio, I'm very happy to see that it's still going strong. Um, so there are opportunities to to get heard and enjoy it, because if it sounds like you're enjoying stuff, then that is infectious, you know. Over the course of your career, you've had some fantastic presenting roles, um, whether that be working alongside Dee's Music Cymru or Soon or uh, BBC Radio 1 or hosting BAFTA Cymru. Is there anything that you haven't done that you would like to do next? Well, I always wanted to present Glastonbury on telly and I've done that um, for the past five years and doing it this summer again. So I'm very looking forward to that. Um, 
And I've always wanted to do a kind of present a speech-based radio program where I can't rely on brilliant music all the time. And I'm doing that now. I'm doing a show on Radio 4 every Saturday morning currently called Saturday Live. So I'm very lucky in that um, I've been given um, chances to do programs that I've loved, you know, fantasised about doing. So there's nothing massive in the uh, on the uh, tick list at the moment. Um, but, you know... I. <sighs> Yeah, I, yeah, no, nothing at the moment. We always end these podcasts with two questions. The first of which is if you had the chance to talk to your younger self, knowing what you know now, what would you say to them? I would say write everything down because you won't remember it. Um, I, I wish I had more lists and uh, more more of a document of stuff that I've done. Um, and don't worry. Like, don't worry about what people think of you. Don't stress about that because, um, you know, I, I was always kind of a paranoid uh, growing up and stuff. And, yeah, just go with the flow more than you already have done. And finally, what would you like to see happen next in your life? Oh, um, gosh. Um, well, I'd, l- I'd like to win the lottery. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> I bet everybody says that. Um, yeah. That's some really vague answers to that question, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> like, you know, it's quite an open-ended one. Yeah. I mean, if I can literally choose anything, like, I know it won't solve all the problems, but it can solve mine and other people's problems. So, yeah, let's do that. Perfect. Uh, Hugh Stevens, thank you very much for having a chat with me. It's been wonderful. From all of us at Wales Online, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of In the Spotlight. For more TV and showbiz news, subscribe to our newsletter on walesonline.co.uk. 